Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week, we're joined by New Orleans Pelican, Ryan Anderson. This episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick is brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest way to buy and sell tickets. The Vertical Podcast is brought to you by SoFi. Refinancing your student loans with SoFi can save you an average of $19,000. Plus, you'll get access to their entrepreneur program that can help you grow your business. Learn more at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, J.J. Reddick. Welcome back to the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. Today, I'll be joined by Ryan Anderson, my former teammate in Orlando. He spent the last four years with the Pelicans, and he is a free agent this summer. All good things for this guy in the future. He's one of the really, really good guys in the NBA. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. JJ, thanks for having me. It's a real honor. And, you know, to be honest, I imagined us being on the mic in maybe a different venue. And maybe we'll, you know, we'll talk more about that we'll later. We'll get to that. Let's yeah. just say this isn't the first time that Ryan and I have been together wearing headphones with a microphone in front of us. And maybe, um, maybe in the Beat Lab. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're you actually moving today. Mm-hmm. You purchased, I guess, an off-season home. You're from California, but you purchased an off-season home in the South Bay. You, you live essentially down the street from me. Right. What is it about the South Bay that's so great? Like for me, I even when as a visiting player, like I liked LA. I wasn't enamored with LA, mm-hmm. but now that I live here and I live in South Bay, I love LA. Right. Well. So this place is one of the few places genuinely that I feel like I can have peace. Like living here is a, like by choice completely, you know, our lives are kind of, you know, we are where the team is, you know. So I've had to obviously live in New Orleans the past four years and then Orlando before that in New Jersey. And although there were great places, not necessarily by choice. And this place is the best in the world to me. I mean, you're close to the beach close to great restaurants there's great food around here now but uh, my agent actually lives here and I that was the first experience I had with Hermosa Beach and uh, just I went on his rooftop and I was just like this is the best thing ever he's on the strand though I don't live on the strand so don't go looking for me (laughs) the strand (laughs) yeah it's it's like minimum 10 million dollars to get on the strand Mm -hmm. I briefly lived in Hermosa Beach in a rental and on the strand no 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 no. (laughs) but I had an amazing uh rooftop it was Mm -hmm. like on the fourth floor um couches there was like a day bed up there I would go up there and nap sometimes it's just a it's a good lifestyle for me especially now with chelsea having kids in south bay is like the greatest thing because there's so many great parks obviously you can put when knox was really young we would put him in a stroller we'd walk along the strand Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just really great for families and not only that but knox is actually starting preschool Wow. This summer. Wow. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. He's massive. He's <laughs> Ryan, so Ryan just met Knox. Uh, He's massive. <laughs> yeah. About <laughs> five a, minutes ago. Great, great form. We, we, jump we were shooting jumpers on the Fisher Price. Yes. He's very talented already. So, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, this is not the first time 
that we've been quote unquote <laughs> right. in the studio together. Although I don't know that your home office in Winter Park, Florida counts as a studio. You know, but it was a makeshift studio. <laughs> we lined the windows. <laughs> um, we we had a very cheap soundboard. Yeah. It, it was raw talent. I mean, I imagine you know Macklemore and Ryan Lewis maybe getting their start out. I mean, it's something similar. Something, something very similar, yeah. You know, it's so, great. If you saw Straight Outta Compton, it was basically, actually, it was nothing like anything in that movie. However, the true music, the love for the music and the love, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know this about JJ, but he is a true lyricist. So it was really an honor. I mean, we did, we laid down one track, maybe, and it was very, you know, that was a rough draft of a track. Some people listening to this right now are probably like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> so let me give some background. In, in, in the, the preseason of the 2009-2010 right. right. season, right. so maybe like October-ish. I think it was a Wednesday. <laughs> Ryan casually mentioned to the Orlando, we were teammates in Orlando, and he casually mentioned to the Orlando media after practice one day that, that him and I were in the process of forming a rap supergroup. Right. <laughs> Ryan was the beat maker and in charge of the hooks. Mm-hmm. And I was going to uh, write the lyrics and um, spit hot fire, essentially. Uh, not essentially. You were, <laughs> you did spit it. And I thought for a second that I might want to lay down some vocals, too. Like, I might... <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a question for you because we yeah. actually you made a beat right I wrote some lyrics yes <laughs> like I remember some <laughs> lyrics still I I actually I tried to write some of them down I've got a piece of paper right if here you gave me one line okay, do you that. remember this I've got the, the hunger of a hundred humbled servants. servants. I remember. My mouth's blurted out blunders, stumbled and nervous. Mm-hmm. Just, it's mean, beautiful. It, honestly. It's poetic. It's poetic, but it brings me immediately back to that house in Winter Park, Florida, which was a special, there was, that was a special time to be in Orlando, but a special time to be in a great city where, you know, the team was good, every, the vibe was good, and we needed to make... Obviously, Orlando doesn't necessarily have a group that I know of, except for O-Town, maybe. That, that made it big out of Orlando. We needed to do something for the music world in Orlando. I'm not positive on this, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> the Backstreet Boys and or NSYNC were like Orlando-based. It was probably NSYNC. Yeah, okay. you're right. Okay. You're right. Well, well do you, re- you know the name, what we were going to be called. You remember? Yeah, James Clay. Formerly known as Waste Management. <laughs> because we were, our goal was to clean up the music industry, right? I mean, we wanted to clean up the music industry, you know, you know, pave the way, a lot like Waste Management does. Like, like they clean up trash. I think I legitimately saw a garbage truck drive by one day with the WM on it. Yeah. And I thought it was like the heavens opened, you know, and I, that name stuck with me. Part of it was we were 100% having some fun with the members right. of the Orlando media. <clears throat> Shout out to Josh Robbins. Josh Robbins, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, Josh. But <laughs> I, we were, I was like 15% serious. But people picked this up. And this is like pre-social like right. social media really being a, a, a big thing. 100%. And it got picked up all over the internet. 
They buy did. a lot of blogs, mm-hmm. Slam. Um, you know, a lot the of the source. Yeah, and it came out that like JJ Reddick <laughs> and Ryan Anderson were making a, a rap song or a rap album. A lot of people were sh- just really, I think, focused on JJ's lyrics because they wanted to hear what you <laughs> sounded like. However, it still is a dream of mine to maybe get a song on the radio, and so the dream still ex- it's still living. I'm filling. I'm fulfilling my dream of being on iTunes by having this podcast. I don't I can't honestly say to you that I would ever want to create and, and produce a rap song at this point in my life. You know what? You're dad now. <laughs> I'm not. You know, so my dream still survives. However, however, you know, I don't know if you have like uh, backup music or anything for your for this, for the podcast. Do you have any intro music? Maybe if you want like a, you know, any kind of music you want, JJ, I want to show the world. I want to be on iTunes too. Uh, Can I use you? Ryan, I, I will say this. Ryan makes some spectacular beats. That's just... You do. I'm, I I mean that sincerely. That's just... You, you know, know, Mo Ager, blush. who used to play in the NBA... Mm-hmm. Uh, introduced me to some of his beats mm-hmm. uh, when we were in college together and he played at Michigan State and I played at Duke. He would send me CDs of some tracks that he had done and he's now doing that professionally. He is. Uh, he stopped playing basketball to do that. To follow yeah. his dream of music. Mm-hmm. And I know that you and, and your family too, you guys have a music background. Mm-hmm. So that that could be something post-career for you then to kind of pursue. Like, oh, Let me ask you one more question. So let's say... <laughs> Let's say this summer, we're going to talk about your free agency later, but let's say you're, this summer you get like an awesome deal. Right. And are you putting a, a home studio in your house? Have I thought about it? Yeah, I have, I have thought about it. Yeah. I think, like you're saying, you were 15% serious. I was at least 18. You know, I was a little bit more than you, I think. I, I saw the dream, I saw it existing, you know, out there. Now, you know, it's still sort of a joke. I'm still very shy about the my music. And I it even sounds funny for me to even say my music like it's something like that it's that big but it's of a deal. Thing. It's a thing, it's a hobby. I love doing it. It's a time killer. We have a lot of time on the road. It's something good, you know, something easy to do and uh it's it's fun to me. So, you know, there is a good possibility that there will be a studio in the house. But just for me, and maybe if you want to come over. Okay. So this will be shared with... Friends and family. Now, I'm wondering if after this podcast, any of this information will be put up on your Wikipedia page. Because earlier today, I was on your Wikipedia page. Really? And it says that you're the fraternal twin of Derek Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I'm not making that up. And I, th- and I thought to myself, oh, I've known yeah. Ryan a long time. Mm-hmm. He's never mm-hmm. told me that before. Derek, Derek and I had a lot of beef, you know, when we... So I go to Derek's page and I'm like, I click on his page and it's like, you know, born on something, something 1983. <laughs> right. And I'm like, right. okay, so... Yeah, we, you know, we've been apart for a while. Uh, you know, me and, me and him, you know, he's... Uh, it's not true. It's Ryan, not true at all. I don't have a twin. Okay, right. I have one sister. However, there is, I don't know if it's still on Wikipedia, but somebody told me that there's a story of me and Colin Kaepernick on uh, Wikipedia. And supposedly we and him are great friends. We're from the same town. You know, it's not true. We're not good friends at all. But right. like, 
Um, and you and you you stayed close to home. I did. You went to Cal Berkeley. That's mm-hmm. also on your Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only played there two years. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing uh, when you <coughs> left school, you probably didn't have any student debt. I didn't. No, I didn't, JJ. You know, not everyone is so lucky, Ryan. I know. I, give me a second. I want to tell you about SoFi. All right. As you guys know, SoFi supports this podcast. So I'm going to talk a little SoFi for a minute with Kevin Flamia, the founder of menswear brand RFM. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. A lot of entrepreneurs say that they were kind of born with that spirit. What was your first entrepreneurial experience as a kid? Trading baseball cards. I used to... <laughs> we all did it. <laughs> yeah, I used to just hustle all my friends. I had Beckett looking at the spreads. I didn't even know what spreads were, but the bid ask and Beckett kind of was my introduction to trading and thinking about finance as a career. But it was hustling all my buddies. What advice would you give to college and grad students or really anyone who wants to become an entrepreneur? I think it's got to be something that is organic. You can't really force it. The highs and lows are the extremes. I mean, you'll go from the best day ever to we're shutting down the company within the matter of an hour. And it's like that every day, which is part of the ride. But you really have to commit to it and really want to do it from within. Well, I appreciate the time, Kevin. Thank you very much. All right. And now we're back with Ryan. Let's go back a few years to our time with the Orlando Magic. Yeah. As timing would have it. Scott Skiles resigned this morning. It'll be Orlando's, uh, I guess, fourth head coach, if you count James Borrega, mm-hmm. uh, in the last uh, in the last four or five years. So clearly, a, an organization in transition, <coughs> still trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. When you look back at that, do you wish that they had kept the gang together, or? That they had kept the band together. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice one. Well, I actually did read all about the Scott Skiles things, and it is pretty pretty crazy. And it is odd to think back on that time. It feels like so such a long time ago. I mean, and obviously four years is a long time, but that was, in my opinion... And I think a lot of players, a lot of teams would agree that that was a great era of basketball uh, to be an, a part of that magic organization. That team was a, a, a threat to every team. You know, we were on everybody's radar. You know, it is odd to see that a group can, you know, that group was so well put together. We, we were a complete unit. Everybody had a purpose. Everybody had a role and it was perfectly fulfilled by each guy, that kind of basketball is so fun to play and it's so rare. And, you know, to have a team, you know, outside of the four teams that have ever been successful in the NBA, I mean, now obviously you're on one of those teams though. Uh, You know, there aren't a lot of successful organizations, but Orlando just kind of out of nowhere became this, this threat. And that was such a fun, I mean, I keep saying it, but it was such a fun time to, to live in Orlando. Fans were great. We had a new arena. Everything just kind of felt perfect a bit, and you take that those kind of situations for granted. I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, I do feel the same way. It was a, I was there a little bit longer than you. I was there almost seven full years, five of which were with Stan, and, and that's kind of the, the next point I wanted to bring up was I, I do think a lot of that success was 
as a direct result of Stan's coaching and the way he ran that team on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I think he gets credit. I think he does get credit, but to me, he's still like underrated. Like he gets credit. Every guy that right. played there in that group, like <clears throat> Gortat, mm. Jameer, Richard, you, Dwight. Now, I mean, we all we all like love and respect Stan, mm. and 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 would love probably to play for him again. I would, sure. I would ask. Yeah, it's. It's a scenario where people that know the game and people who are associated with the game or have played understand know how great of a coach he is. And um, not to knock any of the other coaches that me and you or I have played for, but just to kind of like talk about just him, he he gets it. I mean, he has such a hard persona, such a, you know, the foaming at the mouth, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, yelling, cussing, all this stuff, but... As soon as practice ends, there's no personal beef, you know, afterwards. He knows how to separate basketball and personal life. And um, one thing that I've really noticed, and, you know, this is kind of, you know, obviously my my four years in New Orleans, which is just crazy to think that I've done it four years. um, My four years in New Orleans have been uh, kind of a gearing up, rebuilding process, you know. So going from a team that was put together, you know, to win a championship now to a team where it's like, Hey, let's get to the playoffs. It's a completely different vibe. And I've just noticed that Stan, when you play for a a team and you, when you play for a coach that has that championship mindset, what the biggest thing I've noticed is that I think that, uh, you know, those successful organizations, each person has their own job. Uh, not one person wears too many hats, not the past couple years it's been tough because we're trying to figure out how to how to win, how to get this group together. We've had a ton of injuries. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of different kind of excuses, if you want to call it. And um, it's just tough. It's tough to put your finger on one thing. But what I've learned is in Orlando, you know, Stan did such a great job of letting Keon do his job in the training room, let Joe Rogowski do his job. These are name drops, by the way. No, but uh, do his job in the weight room, you know, and Otis, let Otis do his job. He gave his assistants responsibilities. Um, exactly. You know, the, the one thing in terms of everybody kind of pulling their weight and doing their part, Stan worked so hard and was such a pro at everything. It was hard not to follow that. Mm-hmm. And for me, because his first year there, I was still a very young player. I was in my second year. And for me, that was the biggest thing I learned that year was how to be a pro. Yeah. I didn't know how to be a pro yet. And that's what I learned my mm-hmm. second year. And I didn't play it. I mean, I didn't play at all that year. But I really learned how to be a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both were, were kind of caught on the, the unfortunate end of the rebuilding process. For me, at least, you know, I, it wasn't a matter of like I, I wanted to hit free agency and go somewhere else. Like I felt... Like if as long as Stan was in Orlando, I wanted to be in Orlando. And mm-hmm. even my last year in Orlando, like I was very, very open to, to coming back and, and mm-hmm. they ultimately traded me. But it was crazy to me, you know, in five years there, the amount of success that he had and he was the winningest coach in magic history. Yeah. And because of how everything happened with the Dwight situation, I guess somebody had to take the fall of it. The I don't know, but it's unfortunate that it was him. When 
he was let go, I think in May. You were a restricted free agent about a month later. Mm-hmm. Going into that restricted free agency, that was your first time. Was your mindset, were you hopeful to come back to the Magic? Or were you at that point like, you know what, I, I want to I go somewhere else? Right. It was so odd. It was such a weird scenario to be a part of because everyone, you know, you'd think being a free agent, you're a free agent. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're restri- being a restricted free agent. It was even something that I had to figure out what the process was like. But basically, if you get offered a deal from your team or if a team makes an offer and your your team that you're on wants to match you stay with that team so during that time a lot of teams when I was in communication with a lot of teams just thought that Orlando was going to resign me you know I was I, under the assumption we were going to bring you back right right like, I, I was hopeful we did I yeah. wanted I mean you know how much I loved Orlando like and you had won the most improved player that year was that right that was a year yeah. and it was it was a uh, a great opportunity for me. That was the first year I really got to start on, you know, on that team and kind of be uh, fill that position that I always kind of really worked for uh, on that team. So it was kind of like this building up for something for the future, and was in a lot of communication with, you know, management, everybody, you know, and obviously, unfortunately, you know, it goes to show how much a star elite player kind of controls the system essentially I mean you know Dwight had all the power to break up that team and tear it apart or he could have continued to let it build and do something with that not obviously you don't want to like go into like knocking him or anything you know but I've always said Dwight had a prerogative as a player <laughs> yeah to if he wanted to seek a bigger market that's his choice, I, his choice. I get it and I I think he should pursue that if he wanted right. to I don't right. I don't blame him. No, I don't <clears throat> I don't blame him at all. It's just everything kind of came to a screeching halt with my like you know, my vision was I was going to be in Orlando for a while. You know, talking to a lot of people, they said you're going to be in Orlando for a, a while. So, when you have that impression and that's the team that's if any team offers you, they're going to match your staying on that team. I thought I'm going to be in Orlando for a while. So, so your mindset that free agency was, let me go sign an offer sheet. Right and and Orlando will match. Orlando will match. And I'll, and I'll I want to be there. there. Yeah. Ownership knows I want to be there. Uh, everybody, but essentially, you know, they got a new GM. They had a different direction. You know, it's hard to kind of, you know, that everything was everything changed. Management changed. Players changed. You were really the only you and Jameer, right? I mean, right. Jameer. Yeah, we're the two guys. You were the only ones left. So it's kind those, of from those teams. I think Baby had come in the year before. Right, right. right. But from those teams, from, from the like kind the of 09, core for the yeah, right. I mean it. It was me and Jameer. Yeah, it was you and Jameer, and and everyone else kind of separated and went their own way. So uh, it was upsetting. I was well, I, very actually. I, I, they did bring Turk back. <laughs> oh yeah, Ted Turk, of course, of course. You gotta love Turk. You can't forget him. Yeah, sorry. No, uh, just the best. Um, but you know, it, it was a it was upsetting. It was something I had to obviously. You know me, and you know me as a person, and how I grew up, and how I appreciate uh, how I appreciate this game. Um, and how much I appreciate getting an amazing deal like I got. You know, it's a it, it's an honor to be playing this game. So I mean, it's hard to complain to be playing basketball regardless of what city you're going in. But when you have the impression you're going to be somewhere for a while, um, it's a it's just kind of throws you a little bit. So for me, I'm excited for this summer to kind of just be an unrestricted free agent finally and kind of ha- feel things out, have my decision, you know, be the one that matters. Because 
really every other team thought I was going to uh, Orlando was going to resign me and New Orleans was the only team that made an offer for me and we ended up making a sign and trade and I went to New Orleans. So restricted free agency is tough. It, it, it is. It's it's a different <clears throat> ball game. And it's funny because I watched uh, this magic moment last night. I happened to just be Netflixing and, and uh-huh. saw it was, and I watched it, and it was like the one brief period of time in 1996 that this restricted free agency was not in the CBA, and that's what essentially allowed mm. Shaq to sign with LA. So there's a reason that it's in place, right? Right. It's it's so teams that invest these <laughs> high draft picks in in hopefully franchise players can be allowed to keep them mm. for longer than those first four years. It makes complete sense, and it's something that, uh, you know, it's especially you're trying to groom a guy, you don't you want to get your full your hands on him. You know, I, I think guys, there's guys that are drafted based on potential, and they want to see that potential. So it makes sense, you know. Just it's It's tough when you're in a position, guys like us that are kind of like, we're movable objects <laughs> to a certain degree, you know. We're not like a Dwight, but we're not, you know. Yeah. We're not, we're not the fifteenth guy. We're not the fifteenth. <laughs> but we're that should also be not our the band first name. Guy. Not the fifteenth guy. Yeah. Well, when you left and, and Orlando did not match, it was effectively the end of the James Clay rap supergroup. It was the end. It was the end. Had that group stuck together, I guarantee we would have had a killer website. And I probably would have used Wix.com for that website building. And with Wix.com, you can do it all by yourself. Wix.com makes it easy to look amazing online, no matter what type of business you're in. Show off your images in a beautiful gallery, grow your contact list, and get all your social media in one place, just the way you want. Your customers are going to love it. So what are you waiting for? Show the world what you can do. Go to Wix.com and create your stunning website today. It's easy and free. All right, and we're back with Ryan. Ryan, you signed with New Orleans. Your four years there, you mentioned the rebuilding. You guys made the playoffs one year. You changed coaches once. Lots of ups and downs, both personally and professionally. Uh, a couple injuries, uh, an MCL injury. Uh, neck injury, which was very serious. If you could, like, how would you? I haven't asked you this before, but how would you characterize those four years? Like, I assume uh, you didn't play a ton at the end of the season because you had a, a minor injury, but you've had some time now to reflect. Your four years there, this contract is up. You're headed into free agency. A lot has changed in those four years. How would you characterize that? Wow. Well, I've never really thought about, about that, actually, because when it's so hard, you know, in this life, it's so hard just to take a step back and just to, like, sit and think. <clears throat> but like you said, it it was the hardest, most testing time in my whole life, uh, not only for my career, but my personal life. I mean, obviously, you didn't talk about it out of respect, but... but you know, the suicide of my girlfriend, like it was a moment in life that you have no choice but to face head on and try and get through it in the best way that you can. And I say that, you know, because all of that really happened in kind of a condensed really two year time time span. So it was a time in my life that I 
will always look back on and say, how the hell did I get through that? But, but all I can say is, you know, uh, my family, friends, teammates, you know, people, you know, you, you told me, you know, anything you need, I'm here for you. And just, just people reaching out like that meant so much to me. And it was such a trying time. I mean, to play basketball throughout all that or to come back from an injury when you're 30 pounds overweight and then, you know, try and play an entire season when you haven't worked out for eight months, you know, it's, uh, difficult stuff, but God is good. And honestly, I mean, I'm so grateful for my relationship with God because really, I mean, if I didn't have that foundation going into that time, I don't know what I would have fell back on because I fell hard. You know I mean? There, you can't, in my opinion, you can't fall farther, fall harder, you know? There obviously is no way you could ever prepare for a life-changing uh, moment like that. We, we have talked a little bit about um, <clears throat> what happened with Gia uh, before, uh, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, another tragedy happened this past season uh, with Monty yeah. Williams' wife, mm-hmm. and he gave this incredible, um, you know, eulogy at, at, at the funeral. What did he do for you? Because I feel like that that organization and specifically Monty were really good for you in your kind of recovery and grieving mm-hmm. process. Yeah, in in the midst of talking about how difficult it was in New Orleans, I mean, there's a reason why I was able to to be there and stay there, and that was Monty Williams. You know, uh, Monty was the one that got me back to playing basketball. He was the one to. I remember he called me at like two in the morning. Uh, I was kind of just sitting around for months. You know, this is after like the third month. And he's like, dude, you need to play basketball. And I was pissed. You know, let me grieve. You know, I got to, you know, I want. I don't want to play basketball right now. This is what, the only thing you know in life. And it's true. I mean, you, when you really think about it, you know, you, you're around your family. You love your family. You're around, you know. There's things that you love, like, yeah, I love making music, all this stuff, but basketball, being on that court, is the only thing I genuinely have done consistently in my whole life that I know, and and he got me back, and he was just such a rock for me. I mean, he was there on the night when I found her, you know, he was there, he was the first person I called, he came right over to me, picked me up, and dragged me out of that, that condo complex, he uh, took me to his house, and this is the thing that Ingrid, his wife, was there. You know, she was there all night with me, sitting right next to me, talking to me. You know, her her brother took his life, and uh, a while back, and she was there to tell me, like, listen, this is never gonna go away, but it's something that you can move forward. You know, and it's so you you don't want to hear that on a night like that, but. She was just there. She was always there. In every game she was there, she's the most supportive wife a guy could ever see. Monty, when he didn't talk about basketball, which was hardly ever, uh, Monty would talk about his wife and his family. He, I've never seen a couple so united. When I found out that she passed, it was such a weird... Obviously, it's not about me and my feelings, but just my first gut reaction was just like, how is this even possible? They were just there consoling me, getting me through this time. You know, 
Ingrid was the last person you'd think would get in a car accident. You know, you, I 100% she was wearing her seatbelt. You know she'd be the most safe person in the world, not driving over the speed limit. Did everything by the rules. And yet, it just put things into perspective even more in life. But I, don't know, I could keep talking about this forever. But but Monty, like you said, Monty's speech was the most... I, I got to go to his house the next day after it happened in Oklahoma City because we were playing them. And he's the strongest guy I've ever been around his speech at the funeral was the most inspiring word I've ever heard in my whole life. You almost wanted to stand up and get... Actually, we did stand up and give him a round of applause. But it was almost like listening to... It sounds odd, but maybe like Martin Luther King or like some crazy, ridiculous, world-changing speech that just everyone needs to hear. It was amazing, but he, he's the best guy. This is probably the longest that you and I have talked about this since everything happened. And you know what really has struck me in listening to you and I I, I would probably venture to say Monty would say the same thing is the only way to recover is with other people. I think it's probably human nature and you probably went through this and I can't even imagine but I'm guessing you wanted to be alone. Mm-hmm. And it was your family, it was your friends, it was people like Monty that essentially helped you you know, build yourself back up and, right. and yeah, get, the, get out of that. The biggest grieving. thing, yeah, the biggest thing that I learned through this process and the biggest thing that I'm going to carry on, I mean, I do want to help people with this and I do want people to know that the biggest thing helping somebody going through a really tragic time is not what you say, it's not even what you do for them, it's just being there. You know, it's like people would show up and it, the best thing. And obviously in the worst scenarios, it's not the best thing. But when people would do something like this, it was the best. Like show up to a house, leave a casserole at the front door. You know, don't knock and don't want to be a part of it and try and say something or I know how you feel. or I've, Those are the worst things right. you ever want to hear because you don't know how. You, everyone feels differently. And right. so um, just be in there, you know, and, and that's like uh, been such a life-changing um, thing for me, you know, I, I it's a uh, one of those. If I ever had like a quote or something in my life, just be there, you know, it's something like that. Just uh, it's odd how human presence and somebody just like putting their arm around you can mean more than any words ever said. So, um, oh man, I mean, so I've learned so much in the four years of New Orleans. <laughs> Going back to right, the, right. No, I original mean, question. Right, and like, I, I think basketball-wise, my game has expanded so much. I've been given a lot of freedom to to play and explore. Your and, Dirk one-legged jumper. <laughs> Everyone knows Ryan is going to the left. <laughs> Always, yeah. So what I had to do is explore other ways to go to the left. Yeah. So, so you just one-legged, shoot off one leg, fade away. <laughs> right, right. And uh, spin move, or the spin move going left. So, yeah. I never want this podcast to be too heavy. Um, so I just, I'm, really for me and for anyone listening to this, uh, listen, man, I fucking appreciate you opening up and, and just being open about you know that process and, and your feelings and everything you've had to go through. Um, obviously wouldn't wish that upon anyone and it's I don't want to say this but I'm going to say this you know in in talking to people that I was close to in Orlando that you were close to in Orlando when everything happened it was like fuck dude for Ryan like of all the people like I I think we all felt for you and Mm. um, obviously felt for 
for her family as well. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because we all saw it this year too with, with Monty. It's like, we all have these pressures in our life as basketball players. And when something like this happens, we all kind of grieve for each other a little mm. bit and, and feel for each other a little bit. So appreciate you opening up. Man. Yeah, dude, anytime. I mean, really, I, <clears throat> I kind of made a commitment to myself that yeah, I feel like, as, like you said, as basketball players, we are given a platform and I feel like I'm not just here just to play basketball. You know, maybe my, maybe the whole purpose of me playing this game is to help one person, you know, with with suicide or depression or, or anything, you know, like so. I want to use this platform for something greater. I know you do too. I mean, I this is a it's a game at the end of the day. So I mean, really, I mean, uh, anytime talking about it is something I'm. Com- I mean, it it's it sucks to go through that, but like, what do you what can you, what else can you do? You know, I don't want to be shy away from it. You know, I just realized that. During the course of this podcast, we've talked about a rap super group <laughs> that never happened right. and the subject matter that we just talked about. <laughs> right. So this is a this is probably the most wide ranging podcast episode. Well, I'm honored. I'm, on, I'm honored. I'm honored. Jeez. Um, All great topics. Good yeah, stuff. It, it is Helpful. good stuff. So your contract is up in New Orleans. You're a free agent this summer. But take me through the mindset of a free agent year. It's so funny because we hear about it all the time. Oh, the guy's in his contract year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you go on hoops hype. Actually, you probably don't go on hoops hype. <laughs> What's the music equivalent? Of right. <laughs> right. Uh, but I go on hoops hype. Mm-hmm. And every time there's always like articles <clears throat> or like sub uh, links you can click on Al Horford free agency and you click on it and you can get any news you want on Al Horford. And uh, typically when you scroll through, Hoops hype. There's there's quotes from potential free agents, and you know, guys say, "I'm not really worried about it. I'm going <laughs> to let my agent handle it." Yeah, wink. Yeah, like of it's the biggest crock of shit. If you're a free mm-hmm. agent, I don't. I I believe this. If you're a free agent, it's on your mind all the time. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, every big whatever you know, every big player is doesn't even matter. Thinking about it, it doesn't matter. You want to be, you want to play well. You want to. You want to get the most you possibly can out of the scenario. I mean, at the end, and not necessarily the most, not the most money. money. You want you're maximizing sort of all of the factors that go into making decisions. So location, the chance to win, the organization. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is sort of where am I going to enjoy going to work every day? And that's not very different, I don't think, than than most people who are in the process of. You know, maybe they have multiple offers to choose a job, or they're they're thinking about changing careers, whatever it may be. What, where am I going to enjoy going right. to work every day? Right. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. So during your free agent year, you're admitting to me then that <laughs> it's course. on your mind the whole year. It was on. Let me my ask mind. you a question, and and I know you'll be honest with me. Have you ever, as a free agent, like landed in a city, and you're on the bus and you're driving through the city, and you think to yourself, if I played here. I wonder where I'd live. A hundred percent. You have to. I mean, it's the great thing about basketball is you're not in playing on an NBA team is you're not really living in like Timbuktu. You're living in like Chicago or Dallas or, you know, for the LA most part, or major, for the most part, major, major cities. cities yeah. Every city has a good place to live. And you, you kind of want to figure out, can I make do with this? Or do I like the snow? You know, or like, do, can I deal with this rain or, 
you know, it's something that uh, everybody has their own personal preference. You know, it's uh, it's on your mind 100% through the season. Uh, you said it. I mean, you want to maximize every aspect of it. You want to, at the same time, you want to actually like have fun and play basketball too and not stress. But you have to stress a little and everybody's talking in your ear about this summer and saying what you should be doing or, you know, so it's... Uh, do you it's feel tough. do you feel there's there's added pressure in a contract year? 100%. Yeah. There's there's without a doubt there's added pressure mostly which is why I don't really look online very much because there's added pressure from outside sources that might not even be true. I mean, right. 90% of the stuff you hear is right. completely made up or from somebody's mouth that has might not even know who you are, but this is what they think. If I could go back in time, I would not have read Hoops Hype the two to four weeks prior to the trade deadline when I got traded to Milwaukee because there was so much stuff on there and you're like Mm. calling your agent every other hour. Is this Mm. true? Is, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah. Trade deadlines are stressful too. I mean this, every trade deadline in, in new Orleans, I've been sort of on the trade block. So it's like, I wanted to ask you about that because this year specifically, Oh man. Yeah. Like I I didn't, I didn't talk to you, but I, I did talk to, uh, some of our our boys in other front offices, right, right. and I I actually I was convinced that you were going to get traded. I really thought you were going to get traded. Yeah, it was a weird situation because you know I don't know what management's mindset is. Uh, I don't want, and also I don't want to, I don't want to count any option out. Returning to New Orleans, going somewhere else, you know. So for me, I want to play all the cards. I want to enjoy this process and see where New Orleans is at this summer. I want to see where, I I don't know, Houston is at or Sacramento or Washington. So for me, I'm not going to say, listen, I want to trade when I don't know what's going to happen this summer. So I'm kind of, uh, I I tried to stay clear. I tried to kind of separate from the scenario and just wherever I end up, wherever I end up, I end up, you know, and uh, that's the way you got kind of got to look at it because you're not in control. So, um, it was weird this this year, especially because of my free agent summer, was like ridiculous before the trade deadline. I thought I might have even gone to Cleveland, so it was, it was there was a very last minute phone call that I could have gone to Cleveland. So that would have been this past summer. This is free Our, agency. Oh, I would be playing for the Cavs right now, right? But instead, they got Channing Frye. So wherever you end up, <laughs> wherever you end up, it's it's going to be whether it's in New Orleans or. Sacramento or or the Clippers or, or the even, Clippers you know? maybe I don't know if you're willing to take the minimum because we don't have cash space <laughs> for you. Uh, I'm sure you'll have no problem getting tickets to games. For everyone else, uh, they're not so lucky. So I want to tell you about SeatGeek. It can be really tough getting a seat to a game or a concert that's in town, especially for a good price. That's why the best place to go when you need tickets is SeatGeek. I'm telling you, it's the only place I ever go to buy tickets to a game or concert. I mean, there's virtually no hassle in getting the exact seats you want. And it's pretty cool how they do it, too. They pull all the tickets available on other sites into one place, so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming events, and they'll let you know if ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. See what I mean? Easy and painless. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone and I use it all the time because it's simple and it works. And best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. They show you the full ticket price from start to finish 
and never try to trick you with huge fees on the checkout page. Now, pay attention to this next part because it's really important. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's 20 bucks right in your pocket. And to get it, all you have to do is this. Download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Then enter promo code JJ. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It doesn't get any easier. So go support them like they support this podcast. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. And we're back with Ryan. Ryan, as you head into the summer, if you had to give me your top three priorities in your decision-making process, let's assume for a second that maybe you're not going to get the minimum and there's going to be more than one team that wants you, which I think are, well, I are hope fair. So. I, hope so. I think they're fair assumptions. <laughs> What are the top three priorities as you head into this summer? Great question. For a second, I thought you were going to say top three teams, and I was like, JJ, come on. I wouldn't ask you that. I wouldn't put you on the spot. No. um, Are you going back to Sacramento? (laughs) (laughs) I'll answer the first three questions. No, no. Um, You know, uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier, kind of, um, you know, you, you want it to be a place where you enjoy going to work every day, and you enjoy playing basketball, and... I think I've kind of said this, at least to myself, you know, I want to make a promise to myself to go somewhere, regardless, wherever it is, where I can be used to my maximum ability and have freedom and play, you know, and, and be used in a system for that where to where I feel valued, you know, I want to feel valued. And I think any basketball player wants to feel valued, any person wants to feel valued, but Especially in basketball, if you have a choice, you want to go somewhere where you fit the mold of a player that they want. And that means that's a number one priority, even if it's in, even if I'm going to Turkey to go play with, with Hito. You bring up a great point. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Okay. And I just want to point something out. You just said your, your most important priority in free agency is going somewhere where you're valued, where you can be used in a way where you enjoy playing. Yes. I want to make a point. You did not mention anything about money. And I would agree with you. Right. Because for me, I think for anyone, you want to feel like you have value on the court. Of course, we want to be compensated. Mm-hmm. What we think is a fair compensation, whatever that may right. be, whatever your role is. But you want to feel like you're a part of something and you're you're essentially given responsibility to do your craft mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to, to its fullest potential. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I think right. that to me more than anything else, it doesn't matter if you're a free agent or not like that to me is like going into a year. Like that's my hope. Yeah. That's my sure. hope. Mm-hmm. I hope that on this year's team, I get to feel like I'm valued and that I get to play my game right within the confines of helping the team win. <clears throat> but given, I got to say, I got to say that I am, I couldn't be happier for you in your your spot here. Really, I mean, because you talking you, about my house. Your house is awesome. <laughs> my office. No, your family. No, no, no. Your office is the best. Yeah. It's no, no, bones. but it's, it's but bones. people around the league know how much this team and this city value you, and how much you've been a spark to this team and how reliable you've been on this team. And I know how hard you've worked. I mean, I just actually did like a, I don't if you read the article that was written about you very recently. You didn't? Oh, um, yeah. 
the SB um, Nation. You had a few quotes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she called me about you, and yeah. and it was kind of it was fun the question she was asking me. But one thing about JJ is that he genuinely is the hardest working player I've ever played with. Thank you. Uh, and on the court, that is. <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, he is the hardest working player I've ever seen. The guy's a track athlete. I've never seen a guy with a stride run like this. No, but I mean, we'd go to the track and he'd be out there a half hour earlier than us getting a lather up while I'm like puking on the side after two laps, you know. But uh, you deserve it and I'm really happy for your success, man. Like you really, the threat when we played you guys was you. Like, and I got to say that is a great feeling to have teams kind of fear you. And this really is... You know, you've worked your butt off, and I know how hard you've worked, and you deserve this position you're in right now. So I hope you get very rewarded next year for it. <laughs> that was my segue into his free agency next year. Just so we're clear, now he is talking compensation. Right, right, right. No, but in the same, in a similar position, like I've I've worked really hard. I've taken, I have been put in a, a, a scenario where I've, you know. I don't feel like I deserve anything. You know, I don't, it's a, like I said, it's a basketball game and the deal that I got before. It's not a, it's not a feeling of entitlement. Right. But I mean, like, like I'd be, I'd be fine to live off of more than fine to have my deal, my one deal that I already had, which is like crazy to even think of that. But like, you know, in this world where you see a guy that's your same value in the, the basketball wise, get paid a certain amount you do feel at the same time you have to feel in the same same time like well i kind of deserve that too then right there's a, Even, certain, there's a certain amount of ego and pride that goes to and, and, and it's almost just we're talking about our livelihood it's all we're, relative it's, it's all relative it's all relative if you see yeah, if you see I, a I guy it. make x amount of money and he's and you are the same position as him and you feel like you you as successful to the team and everything you feel like you should be compensated the same way which is in any job it's only right, but it is insane how much a salary cap's going up. And I'm, if anything, the money part of it just makes me nervous. I don't know why, it just makes me nervous. All right, so I asked you for three things. You gave me one. I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say right. two is money because we just got done. Right, talking two about is that. money. Give three me one location. more though. Location. Yes. Okay. Location. I want to live in a place where I. Three is far in third though, like by far, like number one and two, I are most important. Three, I would love to wake up in a place where I'm like, yeah, you know, I yeah. I love it here. So if it comes down and it's like role is the same, money is the same, and the two locations are, do I have a penthouse on South Beach or a small cottage in Juneau, Alaska, you're going to pick South Beach. Way, way to choose. Yeah, Juno. No, there's no NBA team in Juno. I don't think. Yeah, um, I'm being politically correct. Right, right. No, I would pick the the uh, the condo. Yeah, that makes sense. I I I think most guys kind of feel that way, whether they would admit it or not. Well, that's the order. Those are the three that everybody chooses from. It's just what order that's there's in. There's other factors know. though. Let me. Here's another factor. Like, You're a dad now. I don't know. Maybe yeah. the schooling the system. <laughs> How are the public schools? How are they? <laughs> What about like, oh man, like if you had, what about if you like, you played for a coach before and you really enjoyed that coach? Like, w- would that be a factor? It would, <laughs> you know, it would. I mean, obviously. I'm you, not saying, like, like I comfort, don't think, I don't comfort think, level kind of a thing. I, you know, but I'm, I'm just using an example. I don't think Detroit 
everybody knows we're talking about Detroit. I don't think Detroit has cap room, but right, you know. That's but no, I mean, we we're talking about Stan earlier. I'd love to play. Yeah. I love Stan. I don't think yeah. it's a secret. So I think that could I, be another factor. It's not just money, role, location. No, that's it's true. I mean, there's that, a comfort level. Yeah. That, the it sort of goes hand in hand with like your role on the team, though, and yeah. your value. I mean, you with, with a coach that you have played for. You know that you are valued by that coach if they want to bring you back. You right. know that to a certain degree that you're valued. So, um, but yeah, there is a comfort level. Like where you, it would be nice just to jump into a team where you don't have to learn all new plays and you know they know your style of game. I mean that is actually important. Yeah. You know, go to a team where a guy might use you differently than you've been used for the past. You know, whatever four years in your your previous team, it's like. You, it's it's very different. You might have you might have had a different impression coming into playing for that team. So at the end of every show, we have a thing called four on four, where we it's four, I'm number four. Okay, and yeah. we talk about four things. Oh yeah, you are number four. That's I have to explain this to every guest, but um, you can't just say four and four. And we we were going to do know. something different, but honestly, I think we just had the most organic four on four ever in our free agency factors. Okay. So I think we're done. Free agency <laughs> factors four on four. That's uh, no a lot our of four apps. most important factors. That was four of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. going into free agency. Yeah, you're right. Four of them. So I think we're done here. You that know was what? great, man. You were awesome. You're the best, really. I mean, you. Although I wish that we had had this was we had like padded walls and you had the headphones on and you were spitting lyrics. And you wish my producer was on the other side of a glass window. Yes, <laughs> I wish that. I wish there was a keyboard in here, but. You're just you're you're just a natural talent. You're a triple threat. You know that he can he can play basketball. I can he's podcast great with on the, the mic, <laughs> and he can dance. This guy can dance. People don't know that about him. You know, I'll be around all summer here in the <laughs> South Bay. So I'll see you around. Right, I'll see you down the street. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. You got it. And uh, for all the listeners and for me, we we wish you the best in free agency. Thanks, buddy. All appreciate right, man. it, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. I'd really like to thank today's guest, Ryan Anderson. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to the podcast. Please tweet me at JJ Reddick for any questions and comments. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, SeatGeek, SoFi, and Wix.com. Be sure to support them the way they support us. We'll catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.